This is the Sensitive Matters Podcast, a podcast bringing empaths, perceptive people, creatives, unique projects, and sensitive matters into the spotlight. Join us for meaningful conversations that inspire and have the power to gently create awareness around sensitive and important matters such as mental health, conscious consumerism, sexuality, spirituality, ethical business, and much more. I am Christina Zipperlin, founder of the ethical jewelry brand Ananda Soul. I'm a highly sensitive human who values community, creative and spiritual exploration, and ways to make a positive impact. I'm also a psychology student and mental health and LGBTQIA advocate. We're tuning in from the magical island of Bali, where I've lived for over 12 years and is the home of my jewelry company that strengthens and gives back to the local community. Thank you for joining us for these conversations as we, together, explore sensitive matters. And now, enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. This podcast is brought to you and made possible by Ananda Soul Jewelry. I created Ananda Soul in Bali over 12 years ago to offer heartfelt, intentional jewelry that works with the community I grew to know and love on the island that has become my home. Ananda brings creativity, respect for Balinese ritual, and a wish to give back to the local community to everything we do. To learn more about our story, ethics, and to receive $15 of your first order when you sign up for a newsletter, head over to anandasoul.com. Hello and welcome to Sensitive Matters. We're welcoming a really exciting guest to the podcast today, Kamini Desai. Kamini has a PhD in psychology and is an author, a yoga teacher, and a true master teacher of Yoga Nidra. She has written two books, Yoga Nidra, The Art of Transformational Sleep, and Life Lessons, Love Lessons, which chronicles her personal journey through the principles of yoga, and she is also the developer of the I Am Yoga Nidra app. Teaching for over 30 years, Kamini's teachings blend the tradition of yoga, science, and modern psychology, which she is here to speak about with us today. We're honored to have her join here on Sensitive Matters for this episode, in addition to a very special gift we're excited to share with all of our listeners here on the podcast and with everyone who's part of the Ananda Soul community. We will be sharing a special Yoga Nidra practice that Kamini has recorded especially for us. This Yoga Nidra meditation is designed to help restore balance into our lives and can be used to center yourself whenever you feel it may benefit you. Stay tuned for this upcoming Yoga Nidra meditation episode here on the Sensitive Matters podcast. I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Kamini and welcome to Sensitive Matters. Thank you so much. Such a great pleasure to be here. So 
I'd love to just guide us through a few breaths, if that's okay, for us to kind of just settle here, um, which feels a little ironic for me to be to be guiding, <laughs> like one of my teachers. But it's really just for us to um, to land here. So if you feel comfortable to close your eyes and just watching how the energy settles. Feeling the seat underneath, our body weight is pressing in, and becoming aware of the breath, how it does its thing. And inhale on every exhale. And just gently noticing any sensations that might be present in the body right now. Maybe seeing if that is okay, whatever is here. And also welcoming an energy of, of okay, that whatever comes through in this conversation we're about to have is exactly what is meant to be here. Just inviting the sense of trust. And then taking another deep breath. And exhale. And gently fluttering your eyes open. Mm, welcome. Mm. So, Kamini is one of my teachers um, in Yoga Nidra. And for anybody out there who is unfamiliar with what Yoga Nidra is, um, something that you have dedicated such a big part of your life, in your own words, can you share a little bit about, about Yoga Nidra? Absolutely. So I think of yoga nidra as meditation made easy. I think by now we all know we should be meditating, but that doesn't mean it's easy. You know, 40 minutes sitting up tall, um, you know, knees, we're watching the clock rather than watching our thoughts. And so yoga nidra really uses the biology of the body, something that the body already knows how to do, which is sleep. And so essentially we use a series of body, breath, and awareness techniques to take us down through the same brainwaves as in sleep. But instead of falling asleep, right in that place where our thoughts tend to fragment, we rest in that gap between us and our thoughts. So that instead of us kind of willfully trying to meditate, we're resting in a space where meditation has just happened. It sounds so peaceful and, <laughs> and effortless. Um... I love that meditation made easy and it feels so different as well like from from you know the the yoga asana and the effort that is there and then the, the sitting upright and yeah can you tell us a little bit more about about the benefits that you have found absolutely um so what i see is there's short-term benefits, there's long-term benefits. Um, you know, if, if we practice every once in a while, it's still very beneficial. It's said that 45 minutes of yoga nidra is as restorative as three hours of sleep. 
And what's interesting is in one night of sleep, like one eight hour portion of sleep, we get between 60 and 100 minutes of delta brainwave activity. But in a yoga nidra, you could get as much as 20 minutes in one, you know, 30 minute sitting of yoga nidra. So you could be getting as much as one third of delta brainwave activity as you would get in an entire night of sleep. So and delta is the deepest. It's the most restorative. It's the most regenerative for your body. It's basically the equivalent of a coma. Um, which is where we get put when, you know, often medical science will put us when the, they don't know what to do anymore. They put us in an induced coma because what we can't heal, the body can heal in these deep, deep states of regeneration. So that's going to be the big benefit. It's to me, it's regeneration on steroids. It's a huge amount of Delta brainwave activity. Um, this is also where you get the clearing of their, of your brain. There's something called glymphatic which is basically like a wave of lymphatic fluid that washes your brain clean of all kinds of toxins, which let's face it, in our world today, we're breathing in, we're, you know, all kinds of things that we're taking in gets washed clean. Um, so restorative, clearing, but also just, you know, you come out of a nidra, your mind is focused again, you've got your energy back again. Um, I feel like it clears our mental cache like our mind is keeping record of all the things that we've done, all the places that we visited. Um, and Nidra is kind of a, a way to clear all that out and reset the mind so that when you come out of the Nidra, it's like, okay, I'm fresh, I'm clear, I'm ready to go again. It's so powerful. For anybody who's never done it, what happens? Because you're saying, oh, it's like the easy meditation. You don't have to sit up. So what exactly does one do? Like what does happen? Yes. Yes. Very good question. So actually yoga nidra is practiced lying down. Yoga means oneness. Uh, nidra means sleep. So we're entering a conscious state of oneness via sleep. So we are lying down, um, which is really great. So we're taking out the body as a point of distraction. Uh, you can cover yourself up. You've got something under your, your knees. You've, you're taking all of that out of the equation. And then you just basically follow the guidance of the person who's facilitating the yoga nidra. And the idea is that by not guiding yourself, you're basically letting go of any doing whatsoever. And so in to, to get into these deeper brainwave states, there's no doing to get down into delta or theta and delta. You, it's actually a release of doing. It's a subtraction. And so you're just guided through the techniques. You don't have to think about anything and progressively, your body will let go of doing, it will let go of doing, it will let go of doing. And through this subtraction of doing, that's how you arrive at the deepest states of yoga nidra. It's kind of like floating. You know, people will say, well, how can I relax? Well, you can't, can't make, do something to relax. You have to let go. And that's exactly what yoga nidra is. It's teaching you how to let go. And the less that you do, the more it actually just happens all by itself feels like such a remedy for so many people's realities look like, right? The, the doing and the being active. And then, you know, when we do have a break, still doing things and socializing and being active and working out and going to yoga class. And then this complete opposite of like the non-doing and just being led and surrendering. Mm. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by how how it works and maybe you can tell us a little bit more so 
let's say I do like a 30 minute yoga nidra and at, I don't know, I obviously don't check the time, but there is like, I drop deep and it feels like I might've been sleeping. Like I don't remember what happened. And then it's almost like, you know, when people are under hypnosis and the person like snaps their finger, it's like a particular phrase and it's like, 60 seconds or something before the end of it. And I'm like, how, like what happens that it's exactly then that I come out. Um, and before that there is no memory or I could have sworn I was asleep. Yes. And that's a really good point. Like a lot of people in the beginning will think just like you, you said, well, even though I come back at the end, it feels like sleep. And of course the only thing that we know that's closest to these kinds of states is when we're in sleep. But uh, so you are going to the same brainwaves as sleep, but there is a level of conscious awareness that you would not have if you were totally asleep. And that's why it's almost like your body is asleep, but awareness is awake. And so that awareness kind of says, okay, time to come out. As soon as you hear those last phrases of the nidra, your awareness, your body kind of comes back up, your awareness pulls you back up. Um, but it is, it, it's very easy to confuse. A lot of people will think, well, was I asleep or was I a nidra? And sometimes the best way to just tell is what's your energy like? What's your mind like after you come out? Because often after a sleep, you'll feel a little bit groggy, but after a nidra within 10 minutes or so, you'll start to feel really clear and sharp in your mind. Mm -hmm. That's so true. So true. Yeah. I'm curious how how this unfolded for you that you've become this passionate about this particular practice and yeah how how you ended up here. Yes, well, I guess we all have a story, right? Um, so I I was a yoga teacher um, early on, and I was teaching yoga teacher trainings, and then I had a very bad back injury, and I was unable. It was a couple of years where I was unable to to even walk or stand upright for more than 30 seconds at a time. And so I, I could not do physical asana. And even though I knew about yoga nidra, I didn't really, I, I knew it, but it wasn't my main practice. But during this time, I had no other choice. And I attribute a lot of my healing to the work that I did in yoga nidra, visualizing, feeling, allowing and also recognizing that yoga doesn't have to happen just through one avenue. You know, yoga and poses are not the same. Poses are a place to practice yoga. Um, and for those, for me, it was a huge revelation to recognize that not being able to do any poses, I really discovered the true depth of what yoga was all about. Um, and so what I found with this yoga nidra is it's so accessible to everyone. You know, so many people say, you know, I can't do yoga. I can't touch my toes. I don't want to wear the outfit or they, they deselect themselves for all different reasons. But if you can lie down and not fall asleep, you can do yoga nidra. And even if you do, you'll still get many of its restorative benefits. So it's everybody's in, nobody's out. That's what I love about it. It's beautifully inclusive. You're speaking about like the, you know, doing it every once in a while and doing it on a regular basis. And as I mentioned, we do live in a world that is so loud and full and demanding and busy. And I was wondering if you have any tips for people who are this busy, like moms or people with full-time jobs and all the things that we're aware of, um, how, to, how to integrate a spiritual connection, how to integrate um, 
practice into their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And what also occurred to me was what you were just saying about the busyness and the non-doing and how we're often so driven because we believe unless I'm working harder, I'm not getting a result. And Yoga Nidra actually stands for exactly the opposite of that, which is that there are spaces that we can go into that by doing less, more happens. That the more that we let go of the doing and the effort and the struggle, it's like we can make shifts, not just in the waking state, but in dream and deep sleep states. But in order to get to those places where you do less and more happens, you have to let go of the doing and the effort and the struggle. So what I would say to the to the the parents, the people, for all of us who are just, we've got so much on our plates of all different kinds. Even our free time is busy time. Um, to find a time of non-doing. And I don't just mean like sitting and watching Netflix. I'm not against that, but I'm just saying like a time to just sit and, for example, have a cup of tea and just look outside and let yourself take in what's around you, even if it's five minutes so restorative. So we often think, well, I don't have more than five minutes, so I'm not going to do anything at all. And often finding the the, the dead spaces where we're losing time, you know, I see it myself. I get on social media and before I know it, 30 minutes are gone. I'm like, you know what? I could have just done a nidra. Um, So rather than adding something to our busy lives, we, we have enough that we have to do is Finding the dead spaces, you know, we're waiting at the doctor's appointments and rather than just scrolling through our phone or reading the news, just put on a nidra or close your eyes and do a counted breath for five minutes. Um, And then my last bit, and this is something that I work with as well, is I notice that whatever I'm doing, if I'm totally present and undivided with it, it becomes a source of fulfillment. So if I'm doing the dishes and I'm like, oh, crap, I wish I didn't have to do the dishes. I can't wait until the dishes are done. Then I'm going to relax. Then it becomes a source of stress. But the moment that I can just, okay, here's where I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing it so fully that I become filled full by it. It becomes fulfilling. And it's almost like we're regenerating all along the way because of how we're doing what we're doing rather than only waiting until we get the rest period. So it's almost like we're in dynamic relaxation. Mm-hmm. Mm, that resonates so deeply that um, how the first hunch is like to go for, for the scrolling or whatever gives that like filling of the space, but also, you know, the dopamine and the, the immediate, but that once, because I, I feel sometimes it takes a little bit of discipline to be like, no, I'm not going to reach for that or I will mm-hmm. not fill the space, like almost like requiring some discipline to then let the emptiness come in. And, and those are always the things that like bring that that level of, of contentment and joy that really none of these other things bring to that level. But it's such a, it's such a dance and... um yeah, to be gentle with ourselves, but then to also sometimes be like, nope, not going to go there, even though it's just five minutes, like the looking out into nature or whatever it is. It's, that's a really beautiful nugget there. Mm. And I think we'll need more and more and more as as the busy just doesn't seem to naturally go away, right? Because it's so easy to fill in so for us to 
to kind of lean away from it for a moment, even if it's just short. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I like that what you're saying, it does at least initially take a moment of or consciously choosing Mm -hmm. because it's like our habits have us, we've repeated Mm -hmm. them so much that if, if we're not paying attention, we'll automatically go there. And so true. It takes a moment of conscious, deliberate action to say, not going with the unconscious and automatic, I'm going to do this instead. And then over time, you know, it can be, it can gain its own momentum, but certainly exactly. that first bit, it's like, we have to break that, that momentum of the habit. Yeah. And over time, it's something we, we deliberately choose and yearn for, right? Because we can feel the benefits. Like it, it didn't used to be a thing that I would have a little window and I'd, I'd be like, I'm going to lie down and I'm going to do yoga nidra. Like, you know, if anything, I would do like an active practice of working out or doing an, an asana practice. But but that choosing that because I know how yummy I feel afterward, that does come over time. Yeah. I'd love if you're open to it, to speak a little bit about your journey and your upbringing, because I know you, you were blessed in the way of... Um, your father is known as one of the pioneers of modern yoga. So yoga was kind of there from day one, right? For, for many of us, it's these practices there. We kind of get to them and we're like, oh, something's not working. I should be adding in some, some more peaceful practices. Um, how did this foundation shape your spiritual journey, journey and your career and your practice? Well, I, I am blessed. I was blessed. Um, grew up in um, an ashram. My father, as you mentioned, was a yoga master. And so I got a lot of these teachings when I was young and really immersed in them. But, you know, it doesn't, and I'm very grateful, but there's something about life itself that teaches us in a way that just theory alone or even just practices alone cannot. And so even though I had the theory and the practice, um, I had to, I had to hit that same wall that I think we all hit. Um, so somewhere around in my college years, I decided, okay, well, this yoga stuff is great, but I'm going to find my own way in the world and I'm going to bring peace to the world. I wanted to be a diplomat. And so I went to, um, study in Switzerland to study international relations and, uh, was interning at the UN and found myself getting really disillusioned by the peace process, which is not so peaceful and highly political, as I think we all know by now, um, and started getting depressed. I was away from the community. I didn't have anybody around. And it was kind of in this downward spiral that I started picking up yoga nidra, yoga, to balance myself. And people in my apartment building heard about it and started asking me to help them with their anxiety, with their depression with different conditions. And that's when I realized that true peace begins with inner peace. Um, So it was kind of like a full circle away from everything that I had gotten only to realize that actually it was exactly what I was meant to do, but I had to figure it out myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which now that you're saying it, it makes sense, right? So many of us like, we're not going to do what my parents did. And then we're like, exactly. maybe they were onto something. (laughs) Exactly. But we have to make it ours and and to realize it for ourselves. It's such an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of of making it ours, are you open to sharing a little bit of what your own personal practice looks like in your day-to-day life? 
Absolutely. So kind of similar to you, um, there are actually three great times to practice yoga nidra. First thing when you wake up in the morning, just to kind of set how you want to be for the day at night when you fall asleep. But um, the third time is in the afternoon. And that's when I tend to do it because it just replaces that I hit a wall. I think most people do in the afternoon, blood sugar crashes, and we want, we need either coffee or chocolate or something. Um, or just to take a nap. And so I just replace out that with the nidra. And I find that works well for me. I come out of the nidra, I'm refreshed, I'm clear, I have all the energy I need to just get through the rest of the day. Because it's interesting when I don't do it, I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll just do this. But my mind isn't clear that if I had just laid down and done the yoga nidra, I would have gotten done what I needed to get done to, 10 times faster if I just took that extra 30 minutes. Um, so it's also just a way of rewiring my brain and telling myself, you know, do less to do more. Yeah. So much wisdom in, in that one. And I do feel that that one just comes over time. Like it is, it is that afternoon practice that got me off afternoon coffee just because I know that that's what really impacted my sleep, but I had the hardest time to, to, get off it because I I couldn't get through my work day and I was like starting to just everything went and I couldn't concentrate and so then I'd be like fine I'll make a tea and and now I'm like fine I'll lie down <laughs> yeah it's, it's so different because it's not that like that jolt that caffeine or, or stimulants give us but it's much more sustainable yeah Absolutely. And it is like we were talking about, it does give you the dopamine reward. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yoga nidra is shown to increase the release of dopamine in the brain by 65%. Wow. Um, so that's a huge, you know, so it makes us feel intensely good, intensely happy, mm -hmm. looking, you know, having motivation and pleasure. Um, it also gives us impulse control, greater impulse control. So we're able to better make choices and uh, about what we really want to do rather than our habits taking over and consciously choose. Nope, no mm -hmm. coffee, no chocolate. Let's do this instead. Mm -hmm. And also just responding versus reacting. Mm -hmm. I find it so powerful that way. Yeah, very much so. I'm, I'm going to squeeze a, a question in here just from, from a personal a passion because I did mention your app earlier. Um, and it's honestly what, especially during the pandemic, I mentioned it to you earlier before we jumped on this, like it kind of got us through the pandemic through, through giving us this deep rest. So for anybody who hasn't seen the app, can you share a little bit about the, the types of practices that you have on there? Because I do love the variety. Absolutely. So the, the basic app has, um, it's just a one-time fee. And it has seven different yoga nidras on there. There's one for healing that has a great healing intention with it. There's one for falling asleep. Um, there are, there's one for self-expression and kind of owning who you are and self-empowerment. Uh, so each of them have different kinds of themes. Uh, there's one that's for more advanced practitioners who've done lots of yoga nidras already. So there's something for everyone on that app, which I, which was my intent. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm really grateful for all, for all of them, but the, the one um, where you don't bring us out, right, where we can just drift off into sleep, because 
I think like like many people, I found that especially towards the end of the pandemic, my anxiety levels were so much higher. And sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and I can't go back to sleep. And it's helped me so much to to not just lie there and stare at the ceiling, but to have this and listen to it. And so many times I would actually then drift off into sleep. So it's been really helpful um, in those moments as well. Yeah, wonderful. Well, that's what it was intended for. And, and even, you know, if you do wake up at night, like you're doing to use it to get back to sleep, but at least even a nidra, if you can't fall back to sleep, just to do a nidra, at least you're getting some restoration, rather than, you know, watching the clock, okay, four hours left, three hours left, two hours left, okay, now I have to wake up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a good alternative. Yeah. I'd love to shift gears a little bit because you also teach yoga therapy and I'm curious on your journey of, of working with so many people, what are some of the the common blockages that people encounter and maybe share a little bit about like what, what yoga therapy is as well. Some people might not know. Yeah, good question. So there are different kinds of yoga therapy. Um, the kind that I work with is more psychosomatically based. So it's really um, basically seeing that the body is one whole thing. So it's not just that our thoughts are affecting our body, but our body is also affecting our thoughts. It's just one continuum. And so when we're dealing dealing with anything in the body, we give space that it has a root in our thoughts and our fears uh, along with anything physical that may be going on. So we might have a back injury, a physical back injury, but there can also be fear and emotion around that. Sometimes it gets triggered by something that's going on in our life. And so we want to deal with both ends, the physical symptom, using yoga poses, breath work to work with the physical symptoms, but also the underlying emotions that may be contributing to that. And... Um, you know, a lot of what I see is just, it, it, we are so hard on ourselves. I think the two, the top two things would be how hard we are on ourselves and the, the things that we are so continuously saying to ourselves um, that eventually shows up in our body. Our body's hearing and responding to everything that we say. And, um, and it's it's going to respond. I mean, of course, if you say something to yourself once, it's not a big deal. But if we say it every day, day after day, year after year, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. It's never going to amount to anything. Every cell in our body is hearing and responding to that. And it certainly doesn't strengthen the body. It, it doesn't put, you know, so what we want what, what to do is not is work at the at the unseen causes that are eventually can show up as symptoms in the body as well. Um, so I think that's a really big one is just that negative self-talk. And I think the other one is just letting our past rule our present, you know, that we're so, we look back to the past, we regret the past, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but you know, it's over. And uh, of course that's easy to say. And that's why we, we need to release it, not just at the level of the mind, but in the body. Um, because literally our whole present moment time could just be lived as a, a reaction to our past. Um, and so how can we release that past, not just at the level of the mind, but at the level of where it has been cellularly built into our body so that we can truly move forward? Not denying the past, but 
having integrated it, letting it be a part of us so that we can move forward as a whole person. Mm-hmm. It's so in alignment of, of the work that I do is more in like the therapeutic approach of, of talk therapy, um, but always integrating or honoring the body and a lot of somatic work. And I'm, I'm curious in your approach in, in yoga therapy, how, how would that practically look like, you know, because even if we are aware of these thoughts that we always have, like I'm, I'm not worthy it's, or I'm not enough. It's a big one that, that many carry and, um, you know, we're like, okay, I'm realizing that I have that belief or that thought, but how am I going to just cut that out of my brain? Right. I'm like, and so, you know, when I, when I then hear, oh, and then it might be affecting my body, it, it spirals even more. So on a practical level, like how do you go about it? How do you help people to kind of soften and heal from these deep seated thoughts and beliefs? Yeah. So in a way we work, we work backwards. So we start with the body. Um, and so we just do, um, either poses with props at the wall, or we actually support people in yoga poses. I kind of think of it like you could imagine some Thai yoga massage moves, but we're, they're more like based on classic yoga poses. Um, and just allowing people to sit with and feel that the physical tension that's in the body. And very often that physical tension has an emotional component. And then just breathing with it, being with it, and learning how to listen to what the body is actually telling us, because it is. Um, and when we re resolve it at the level of the body and be present with all these sensations at the level of the body, when it clears at that level, it clears at the mind and emotion level too. Because everything, it's like a hologram, hologram. everything is yeah. reflecting everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah makes me think of the times especially when I when I just quite some time ago and I started yoga and I would just find myself crying like for no reason mm -hmm. no reason that I could think of right but my body was just releasing something and I'm like where is this emotion coming from suddenly yeah hmm. exactly that's exactly it and with yoga therapy what we say is you don't have to know it's just stuff that your body didn't need anymore it's stuff that just got stuck in the nooks and crannies and as yeah. it gets cleared we just have overall feel better lighter freer happier yeah absolutely with this work that you're doing um can you share some some resources and some practices that you've found are really helpful for people in general and maybe also feeling into a bit of the collective um because they do I'm having a sense that many of us seem to be kind of journeying through specific challenges or emotions, especially after these couple, last couple of years now. And I'm just curious if there's any, of course, you know, we can't make blanket statements. Everybody's very unique. Um, and, you know, a lot of people's nervous systems are a bit fatigued. There is that level of busyness that we're all dealing with. The majority of us are on devices, maybe a little more than our bodies are appreciating. So any practices and resources that you could give? Yeah, I think on the mental and emotional level, um, one thing that just came to mind was our habit is to 
kind of push ourselves through. We're so busy. So we push ourselves through emotions, feelings, stuff that actually needs attention. Um, or we find different ways to escape it. So we get really busy or we get on social media or we, um, you know, we push through it, but we don't actually just sit with sometimes just feelings that need to be felt. We lost a loved one or, you know, the end of a relationship and we just move on. But all of that without being acknowledged, it starts to pile up behind us. And so, um, you know, the only, what I would say is the only way out is through and to, to watch that tendency, you know, I can't deal with something for five minutes. That's okay. You have the ability to put it away, but then come back. That's the issue. And to give our, cause we know really in a way how to come to completion with things. We just don't want to face it. It's just like we do everything we can, for example, not to cry. But then when we find we know we just need to let ourselves cry, to be clear. Um, so I guess that would be one of my suggestions. Another one is just around, these are just very simple, intention. And intention, thinking of it, not one more thing we have to do perfectly, but think of it like a direction that we want to move our life in. Um, like a North Star, it's your guiding star. And recognize that <clears throat> at different points during the day, like we have a guiding star, let's say I'm at peace with myself as I am. That's a great, <clears throat> great intention. But different points during the day, they're going to be different parts of us. Let's say you're the captain of your ship heading towards the North Star. You know, above board will come the insecure you. And then, you know, who says, oh, no, that's not true. I can't do it. And then it comes the enthusiastic you. Yeah, let's just go for it. We're going to do it. And then comes up the tired you. Oh, I'm too tired. Not today. And recognize that these are all different parts of us, but you are the captain of your ship and keep moving in the whatever direction you choose, not denying these parts of you, but regardless who's above board, you keep on going in your, in your chosen direction. Otherwise, it's almost like we can just go around in circles, depending on how we're, we happen to be feeling that day. Mm -hmm. And so that can be really helpful, especially when we're going through a difficult time. What is my intention? How do I want to be in this situation? Um, one thing I like to say is, who do you want to become? Because every choice that we are making now is planting the seeds of the person we will become. Yeah. And, you know, do I want to become the person who doesn't speak up or who doesn't, you know, respectfully disagree sometimes? Or, you know, who do I want to become? The person who can stand in their own balance and power in a balance of strength and softness. Um, so whatever it is that you want, plant the seed now. Mm -hmm. mm, that feels so powerful because it also makes the moment to moment so much more significant, right? It's like, oh, I feel intimidated or can't be bothered to speak up right now. But if you do live from that angle, it's like, well, if I don't speak up now, that means I'm becoming a person who doesn't speak up. Like it turns it into a whole different thing. It's very powerful. Thank you. Um, I love what you said about intentions and um, like being really clear on that. And, you know, as you know, that's such a big part of, of my work and my creations of just often, honestly, I like there's certain intentions, certain words that I just 
want to carry with myself. Like, and so then I create these creations and I'm like, I want to have these beings and these reminders around me. And it's literally that way of how I choose what I wear on any given day. And it seems to be resonating with a lot of beings out there to have these carry these reminders um, in my case in our case in the form of jewelry and I'm curious with your with your practice of intentions and as you just said like you know throughout your day kind of having those very clear distinctions do you work with with any totems with any physical reminders or do you just remember um, no, I think it's beautiful. I think what you do, what you do with your creations is amazing because it's like a visual intention and we need that, you know, like to have a piece of jewelry or something that is a visual representation. And the more that we have, the, <laughs> the better, you know, to, and, and I feel like even when we wear jewelry or any kind of visual intention, it could be clothing, it could be jewelry. It, it's like we start to embody the vibration of that thing. Like I think of this, one of the rings that I picked out that you gifted me and it's, I think it's trust and surrender. I live in surrender mm. and just wearing it and knowing that that is what it's about. It's like, you start to carry that vibration. Yeah. And I surrender and I trust. Probably. I surrender. Thank you. Yes. I surrender and I trust. I, I was like, that is mine. That is, oh. that is mine. Yeah, I created that originally because I just needed to be reminded of that so much. Yeah, absolutely. And so I would say, you know, my totem is probably, you know, I have a, f a few. One of them is, of course, my malas, you know, my and and I really believe that that is what they were originally intended for. Besides yeah. being prayer beads, it's that when you see them, when you wear them, you are wearing and embodying that vibration. Mm -hmm. And and then who says it has to be malas alone? Why not all mm -hmm. of these creations like what you're mm -hmm. creating? Um, so I love that. <clears throat> um, another totem that I have is the lotus. I draw them everywhere. It's my thing that I doodle. And, you know, the, the whole idea of the lotus is that out of the muck, the muck of our humanity, the pain all of that we go through comes this beautiful lotus flower. And I love that representation that, you know, it feels like sometimes the human experience is just plain hard, <laughs> difficult um, sometimes. And it's just like, oh, what, like, you know, that kind of feeling. And just remembering it is through that humanity, through the muck, that this beautiful divinity, this beautiful lower lotus flower comes into full bloom. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, it's such an important reminder. Yeah, as we sometimes journey through, sometimes it seems very long stretches of, of muck, and then you're like, you come out and, and you, you are reminded. But for anybody who, who, who is in the muck phase, like, yes, there is the lotus, and, and it's such a radiant, radiant manifestation of a of creation really like it's so resilient we're blessed here in bali to have them around quite a bit right and whenever i see one i'm like wow like how the water pearls off it and it's so resilient like i'm always in awe of how strong they are absolutely, mm. absolutely. i love that Kamini, thank you so much for joining us for 
anyone out there who would like to be in touch with your offerings, your books, the app, your teachings, how can they find you and be in touch with you? Yeah, just um, you can Google my name, Kamini Desai, and um, I have two websites, my name, KaminiDesai.com. And then I have all kinds of courses on Yoga Nidra, working with anxiety, learning, just learning the basics of Yoga Nidra. You can find all that either on my regular website or iameducation.org. Um, and there you can also find information about the app that you were talking about as well. Or you can just find it on your app store by typing in my name. Amazing. Thank you so much. Such an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. If you haven't had a chance yet, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you have a chance, please rate and review if you're listening via Apple Podcast, as it really helps more people discover the show to listen to these incredible conversations. This podcast is brought to you from Bali and made possible by my ethical jewelry company, Ananda Soul. You can check out our website and all of our ethically handmade jewelry at anandasoul.com. You'll also receive a $15 gift card on your first purchase when you subscribe to our newsletter, so make sure not to miss out on that as well. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to sharing more of Sensitive Matters with you.